Welcome to PLV Radio Network out of BC, Canada, where inquiring minds meet inspiration. Coming up next is the Innovation Series. Well, Martin, why don't we kick off with you and give uh, our listeners a little history on uh, what we do and how we do it. Well, we, uh, we've been together, Frank and I have been together for about uh, 15 years, since 1999, uh, just promoting and developing uh, Tesla turbines for the pri- uh, foremost priority and its application to converting things that could be a powered fluid um, with of energy into a shaft to drive a pump, drive a generator. And with that, this Tesla turbine, um, still good today, still high efficiencies, was invented by the famous Nikola Tesla in the 1920s. And uh, it still is a, is a useful uh, invention to power a pressurized gas or some type of moving fluid like water. Steam. Uh, in today's world of organic ranking cycles, even like your car air conditioner running backwards. So that's what we primarily focus on. And of course, then the subtitles, the tangent that is is a new technology relating to energies uh, that Nikola Tesla uh, worked on, transmitting energy through the earth, the radio frequencies, the fluorescent light bulb, and so forth of his numerous patents. And uh, that's how we met uh, James and Todd, uh, through the interest with the Tesla turbine. So Beautiful. that's what we do. Well, James, Todd, how about kicking in there and giving us a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll kick this uh, entire show into full high gear. James, you want to go first? Absolutely. So I'm James McGlynn. I have a dual uh, degree in electrical engineering and applied mathematics. Um, love focusing on interdisciplinary science and basically looking at, uh, you know, things from micro and macro perspectives, uh, whether it be biology, chemistry, um, do a lot of work with uh, chaos theory and system dynamics and how it all relates with cybernetic theory as well. And uh, I got hooked up with Todd through an innovative group that we helped, uh, basically a think tank. And you name it, we work on it, everything from energy to, uh, you know, health devices to... Um, whatever makes the wheel go round. Uh, you know, we, our inspiration, our motivation, and our, uh, you know, ability to really kind of create is, you know, just, just the beginning of where we could start on any type of topic. So, you know, Todd, why don't you take it from there and do your introduction and talk about what we do some more. Yeah, I think James is actually being very humble about uh, uh, some of the stuff that we mess around with. We've had some very deep conversations with other engineers ranging from quantum electrodynamics to superconductive surfaces to you know just some some really out out there nanotechnology and applied almost ancient technology stuff ranging from stuff from the 1920s that just need to be revisited you know and you know everything in between um me myself i'm just a humble <laughs> engineer who seems to found himself neck, neck deep in some of the some more interesting things engineering has to offer you know um, my particular forte is uh, electrolasers and uh, you know 
laser-induced plasma channels, but I found myself tinkering around with plasmatoid physics to every to you know something more mundane as just like uh, surface treatment, 3D printing. You, there's a lot of you know, I could give you a, a babble on a list of like three or four pages of stuff I like to play around with. Um, but yeah, that's me, Todd. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, guys, where should we go today? Should we totally blow the doors off free energy, or should we stay more down to earth, so to speak, and uh, just talk about some of the things we've been working on the past few months? May, may I make a suggestion? I want to talk about Victor Schauberger. Cause that's, I love that's a, it. Because I'm okay. I, I I will admit I'm a new newbie when it comes to Victor Schauberger. Because <coughs> um, uh, years ago, I the only resources I had for Victor Schauberger was uh, Borderland Sciences, uh, and they had some excellent you know library materials on it. But it was it was it was scant at the time. And I moved more into like the Tesla field because I could acquire a wider berth of materials on his, him being a sort of figure with Edison and what have you. So I, I got to gobble up all that. Like I have his Colorado Spring notes. I have that. But I'm actually, I've witnessed Victor Schauberger's technologies in play. But mm -hmm. truth, truth be told, he's, the man's largely a mystery to me. And I'd like to well, learn more about that. Yeah. Because uh, you guys are experts in that area. And uh, let you, well, you know, let's, go over that. Let's give you a little history of how Mark and I uh, came face to face with, uh, well, Calum Coates, the wonderful, brilliant author with the Echo Technology series, Living Energy, uh, which was in itself a follow up uh, to Olaf Alexanderson's book, uh, Living Water. And that was really the first time that, let's say, oh, that was about the 70s. But that anyone had heard of Victor Schauberger. And yet Schauberger uh, came from uh, a forestry background. He created some of the most incredibly functional log flumes that anyone had ever designed in Austria. He made extremely high amounts of money uh, because his uh, money-generating means was to the uh, prince and the king over there well, if he could get more logs, logs down that flume to the mill, he would be paid for it. So in one hand, he kind of went against his beliefs of deforestation, but in another way, he brought down logs that before wouldn't be transportable. So, okay, so he had this innate understanding of water and of vortices, implosion, but where Martin and I really came face to face with it was in our work with the Tesla turbine. And that was because we were seeing the disks warp under uh, high temperature, and they were kind of like forming a waffle potato chip. And you know, to us, that was like, well, this is unacceptable. But as I was doing research on the Internet, I saw this machine that looked very similar to how those disks were warping, which was called the repulsine. So then we started really digging into the research. Calum Coates, uh, who we're still in constant communication with, uh, George Schauberger himself from the PKS, the Pythagoras-Kepler system. But Schauberger is an oddity in history because he didn't have that background. He wasn't a doctorate. Uh, he wasn't academia. This man just studied nature, observed, and then intuitively took what he saw in nature and then put it into, let's say, a machine, whatever. But I'll be darned with his implosion machines these things, as far as anything that was ever documented in, let's say, Nazi Germany 
or in the earliest records that uh, the PKS still has, these machines were self-sustaining. Now, no one has yet replicated that. So that's where Martin and I really kind of, you know, we're looking towards the funding end. Well, to do wait a minute. I want to, Frank, I want to chime in there in reference that Victor Schauberger, after World War II, was brought to Texas to yes, uh, implement or play with his, his ideas. And mm -hmm. uh, there's numerous documentation um, where his, uh, I forget what it's, he called it, but basically it looked like the flying saucer uh, worked and broke the broke the bolts that held it down and went to the laboratory. And then follow, mm -hmm. years later, Northrop Grumman, under a DOD research, made uh, another one of his inventions, but no one's no one talks about it, but there was some slip of the tongue that they they did work on it. Well, that was the one thing, uh, you know, for Todd and James. Schauberg, one of the famous Schauberger quotes that Calum Coates dug up, uh, and Coates did a brilliant job just in translating, because Schauberger had to create words that weren't in the German language. So, like, naturalesque uh, would be one. Um, so Coates had to... Uh, do some amazing translation just to find out exactly what Schauberger was trying to talk about. Uh, the incident that Martin's talking about, the Nazi German scientists, and of course their overseers, uh, were extremely good note-takers. And when Schauberger was not present, they activated the repulsine, which was held down by, uh, I believe it was 10 three-quarter inch machine bolts and it sheared them off and then continued its upward flight up into the ceiling and smashed. So it was flying unpowered, whether that was levitation, thrust, unknown, but it was documented. And that's, the, that's some of the key things with a lot of these, uh, you know, fly-by-night uh, rumors that we have around the Internet. Well, Nazi Germany took meticulous notes. So we know that something happened, and Coates has done a brilliant job deciphering, uh, you know, the hearsay from the facts, and then further, Walter Schauberger, Victor's son, and then George Schauberger have all the records of the PKS. But uh, implosion and vortices, uh, you know, we can tangent into that with uh, some of the brilliant work that Dan Winters has done, many others uh, that have got physical working products out on the market right now. Uh, the imploder and things of similar construction, and these things are doing amazing things with water. So, heck yeah, Todd. Uh, what else would you like to get into with Shaw Murder? I'm, I'm actually okay. Here, here's here's my my thing. Okay, I know he was messing around with with uh, uh, vortices. Now, we all know that Ilya Romanovich, I can't pronounce his last name. P R I G O G. I -N -E. He was a Nobel uh, laureate, and he blew the lid off of thermodynamics with that open-ended systems are not subject to the general laws of thermodynamics, such as vortexes. Vortexes can gain energy because they are an open-ended system. So, for instance, when you see a, a, a whirlpool eddy in a river in a, in a river uh, rock that's and you can see that whirlpool getting bigger and bigger and bigger as more fluid is applied to the surface of the rock that vortex will gain energy now using the concept of the repulsing i was cause I, I have a fascination with tornadoes in so far as i know they are electrical in nature in many instances and i can 
uh, cite a, a wide berth of NASA uh, research on Mars of electrical tornadoes and dust devils. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very curious, you know, just then this is the curiosity of science, you know, coming about. If vortexes have an electrical component to it and they gain energy due to the fact that they are an open-ended system and Victor Schauberger's repulsing, if I understand correctly, works completely on vortexes. Now, if oh, definitely. Now, if you take that vortex and if it's electrical in nature, I'm, I'm going. This is and this is just like me shooting from the hip. If those vortexes can be electrically manipulated, a la electro hydrodynamics or uh, you know whatever term you want to use for that, and through the okay, because air is mostly composed of ions, and if you can amp amplify that factor, that effect that's going on with the vortex, how much energy can you accumulate just through straight <laughs> ionization floating through the air, and you throwing it into a vortex? I, I, I'm, I just I would love to see you know us throw some blackboard physics around on that one. I, I'll be guffawed, um, you know, because like you know, some people are poo always poo-poo the idea on on uh, on on free energy stuff. But I'm saying no, ener energy is all around you. You just need to know how to tap into it. Sure. And there's and a, so there's a great I'm, quote that James could uh, could kick in on and address from that, and it's in uh, Kalen Coates' uh, "The Energy Revolution," which isn't just an expanded version of Living Energy; it's just more in depth. But on one of the opening pages, it's quoting uh, Schauberger as saying 410 times the energy output as input. And really, when you look at those disks, what you're having in the space of, let's say, just a few inches in the diameter of the disk, because uh, it's really, to, to Martin and I, it's like a Tesla turbine just with wavy disks, you have rapid expansion and contraction. So as the fluid, be it the air or the water, air still contains, you know, water molecules, moisture, so ionization is occurring, copper disks, so you have massive expansion as it goes through, let's say, the valley. It's slammed up against the next ridge, the ripple, so it's compressed. It goes up and over the hill, the oh, valley. Hey. It expands, and this happens, you know, thousands of times per second, per revolution, until it finally exits. So well, let me let me interject on that idea, Frank. Which is in the uh, petrochemical industry, there is a, a a similar arrangement to that, and including in your car, called a radiator. And when you send a, a gas that has entrained moisture, and the moisture goes across this zigzag parallel effect, left, right, left, right. Each time it turns, it loses a minute amount. Of, of temperature or of energy, BTU-based energy. And if you do it enough zigzagging times on the passive side, you will condense out the water because the temperature will drop. So the same thing happens dynamically. And by the way, they call them separators Ooh. in the oil and gas idea. field. But the same thing happens dynamically that if you have a wavy plate and they're controlled and contained in a minute trace, in dimensionally, that when air is sucked in, each time it's changing the course of direction, you are causing a pressure differential increase. 
Now, Martin, using that same premise that you just put forward, okay, I'm going to yeah. go off the crazy. I'm going to go off the crazy end a little bit. Mm-hmm. Could that be used? Okay, let's say okay, all, all air contains water. We know that uh-huh. you know yeah. generally well. You know, even in the driest desert, it just drops down below forty percent humidity. It's 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 you know it's hard. So so let's say as a hypothetical, could sure. you hypothetically condense the air? With a power support source to to this module, and condense the water like a atmospheric wa- water generator, and condense atmospheric water through vapor being compressed and uh, condensed. And well, yes, out. you can. With only Ooh, if neat. you wow. only if you drop only if you can drop the temperature a, a at atmospheric um, at altitude and atmospheric pressure, or you reduce the atmospheric pressure under a partial vacuum and lower the the the, um, the boiling point. And when that happens, then you will have a uh, a uh, strong condenser of pulling um, moisture out of the desert air. Yeah, how neat is that? That would be that be wouldn't that be a fun experiment to try out? Well, they're, they're doing it in similar and passive nature, and this we're going. I, I think we're heading into a tangent because we do that quite often. <laughs> yeah, <It's> okay. <laughs> if you look at but, uh, uh, a ton of resource material for the next twenty years. Right, oh, right. Absolutely. But if you uh, want, there was a college and university, and honestly, I don't remember because it doesn't make much to remember who it is. But uh, there recently was a publishment that uh, they've gained more moisture from dew in the desert using a uh, stainless steel mesh fabric and it's the sizing, the spacing between the threads uh, against the coating of the metal that will cause a more vapor condensation gain. So all it is is we're trying to remove the energy out of the the vapor air to, uh, to cause this condensation. So when Frank saw the waffle plates and he started researching this and then correlating with the Victor Schauberger repulsing uh, system, then the gases, as they continue to move left, right, left, right, left, right, you know, 45 degrees, 45 degrees, and so forth, they continue to have a a pressure differential increase. And and that's also true if you want to research and your listeners uh, trouble molecular pumps where um, it's a, a, a disc with uh, little fins, you know, a quarter of an inch fin, but the the uh, involute is shaped in, a, say, a, a D shape. And any time that you push that air and it backs up and curls itself around, you cause a slight pressure increase. And you go, well, do I really need curved blades like a, you see in a turbo shaft engine? You know, to have a pressure increase and go really fast? No, not necessarily. Um, in these turbo molecular pumps, they call them turbo because they spin fast, but these thinned-shaped impellers, uh, they, they look like someone put, you know, uh, 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 poker tabs on your bicycle wheel and went around and around. You know, they're just flat, thin. But it's that induction and in causing the turn uh, that causes your pressure uh, increase, uh, and that's kind of a vortice inside the, the chamber. See, Todd, um, one thing that uh, you have to look at 
Schauberger did not patent too many. I think maybe like a dozen uh, patents, uh, British and Austrian. Uh, but what he did patent is remarkable. So versus, yeah. let's say, someone like Tesla with hundreds of patents, uh, Schauberger's system is all centered around an implosion, so uh, a vortex and implosion. And you see one called the Whirlpipe. Well, it's brilliant. It's just small ramps inside of a tube. Could be copper, could be wood. Uh, Schauberger did recommend wood pipes, and he claimed the wood would never rot, even underground, uh, because of the movement of the water, the ionization, etc. The wood would breathe, and it would never rot. Okay, notice where notice where any posts rot in wood. They rot just above the surface of the ground. So anyway, there's some interesting things there, but it all all those patents are creating spiral vortices. So the Repulsine, the home power generator, the Whirlpipe, and then the associated machinery all were creating, as you had started, whirlpools, whirlwinds. Well, let me also interject on that, Frank, is that in the research with Schauberger and this wood that you talked about, that wood pipes have been discovered uh, carrying water that are over 100 years old and still in use and that actually oxygen transmits itself through the wood, which it entrains itself into the water, energizing or making the water live. Mm-hmm. But anytime you don't have the oxygen in, injected into the system somehow, um, it, and you don't vorticize it, cause reaction or action, the water is dead. And so we're pumping everything through PVC and copper pipes, and that's great to a degree, but it's still dead water. Mm-hmm. And it, by the way, the dead water doesn't hold any memory. Then, yeah, There's uh, I, yeah. Recently, I, I can I can actually think that's a great thing because I was in, involved with uh, a geneticist friend across the pond in in uh, France. We were looking into nutrigenetic water, and so. Yes, there's a wide range of like chemicals and other nasties that seem to be present in modern water. You know, it's it's trace amounts, but they do have wide ranging epigenetic effects. And I would love to see, you know, just to, as, even at a blackboard level, to maybe give to like the next generation, figure out to create a water supply that would be, you know, that has negligible epigenetic effects, or at least a positive or amicable epigenetic effect on the human genome because, like, you know, your biochemistry is all out of whack when you have uh, BPA and just some of the other crazy plastics that seem to float into water as well as chlorine has an epigenetic effect as well. Um, you know, some people call me crazy for this, but I can back up the research through third-party data through mainstream science. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to explore that avenue at some point as well. Um, now, i got another question. Victor Schauberger, working with his repulsing, how much or how involved was he with the Brill Society that erupted in in uh, Germany around that time? Because they they were you know the the the, the nutballs that read that that novel and they thought that like you know uh, you know they they were in contact with alien intelligence via you know uh, psychic connections, and then they went. Rocket ships, flash, flying saucers, spaceship crazy, mm-hmm. and I would like to. I'm curious, you know, because the repulsing, you know, with you know, as a layman, seems to fit into that category of uh, 
electrogravitics, anti-grav, and you know, uh, uh, vertical takeoff and landing stuff. And it seems to, you know, it's like the unbalanced wheel where you have multiple gyroscopes and they all seem to turn all in the same direction. You get you have, you have a, uh, an anti-grav type effect with with no apparent outside means of uh, propulsion. Um, sure. And and so. You know, I'd like you know right right up there with some of the the uh, gyroscope uh, experiments back in the 1960s and 1940s. Well, I, I'd like to hear uh, you guys take on that one. Uh, how how involved was he, or was it like did they drag him into it, kicking and screaming, or was it like? Well, first off, they, before well, before World War II started, actually, the Hitler Nazi regime wanted to kill Schauberger because they thought of his inventions were too crazy, and thus. Uh, the what, what's the term, Frank? Um, eugenics. Well, um, he wasn't yeah. one of the good old boys. Eugenics. And, wanted to, they wanted yeah. to kill him. But afterwards, yes. during World War II, they put a gun to his head and you said, you're going to go create. And they gave him a budget. And yes. he applied his repulsing technology and so forth, which happens to be round. Where I wanted to correlate was that in the case of the repulsing and witnesses and stuff saying that there's a round saucer disk that's shining blue, um, anytime you have a very high velocity of, a, of, a, of an air, a gaseous fluid, you're, you're generating electrostatic charge um, that's, uh, that's glowing. And this is rather evident in a different application. Uh, the, the term is called tornado in a can, where you're, you have a tornado shearing effect going on in a two vortices, clockwise, counterclockwise. And at the lip of it where it's, the machine is grounded, you will see a orange, uh, I mean a blue glow in the dark. And so people don't understand that because you have high velocity, ultra high velocity air being pumped around it on the repulsing. And, uh, you know, there's still development in how to control this beast. Oh, definitely. Well, James, uh -huh. you're all quiet over on that side. Dig <laughs> in a little. <laughs> well, I know all about this stuff. I was actually just listening to you guys and just absolute amazement, too. Um, I mean, I know uh, Schauberger and you know, how it relates, too, as well, to uh, Karl Schapler as well, uh, who was also from Nazi Germany. Not enough stuff is really kind of uh, you know, put on the web about him. But, you know, some interesting things I know about uh, Victor Schauberger was that a lot of things, you know, he's saying, nature was my teacher. You know, one of the two things I really found fascinating was that he studied the lotus effect on lotus flowers and how the water actually vortexed into the center of the leaf. It was, uh, you know, due to superhydrophobicity on top of the leaf surface. Um, you know, Martin earlier was talking about how um, due to the pressure variations, whether it be the repulsing disk or Tesla turbine or even the tornado in a can, um, or even on the desert, certain lizards, they use the hydrophobicity of, uh, you know, their skin. They basically get... Uh, humidity and uh, get water molecules to form and actually get their uh, liquid intake and get their water. But um, oh, you know, another thing, too, was that he also studied uh, hummingbirds. Hummingbirds in motion are actually creating air vortices right underneath them. Not enough mm -hmm. to create an air glow discharge, but, you know, it's uh, it's enough to actually keep them in a stable flight. And, it, you know, that was something that was really uh, peculiar when I figured that out and found that out as well. But, no, Victor Schauberger, man, he... Um, he had some really amazing stuff. You know, he was, you know, I think he took Tesla's alveolar conduit to a three-dimensional model. Um, I know Pac Scientific is actually using uh, one of his uh, lotus designs, uh, flower designs for a propeller, um, you know, the air screw, water screw. 
Um, you know, I've always thought it's been kind of reverse thought of, you know, we're trying to propel ships by pushing them when we should actually be pulling them. We'll actually reduce and we could also create uh, somewhat of a cavitation effect for whether it be, you know, submarines or anything underwater or through air. It's, well, if you um, look at you know, the uh, diagrams for his biological submarine, that I'm, I'm kind of glad you mentioned that. What Schauberger wrote was that we do everything exactly opposite of nature. We explode instead of compress and condense. Uh, he cited, uh, let's say, how we use propellers for airplanes. We use them in exactly the opposite way of nature. And he cited, uh, I believe it's the hickory. Uh, when it falls, it's the little helicopter blade falling. It's used the to pod, break. Yeah. Instead, yeah. we use it to pull something. So we do everything in reverse of how nature is doing it. And that comes from someone that has really spent an extremely long amount of time observing nature. And that's exactly what he did as a forest ranger. He looked at the water. He looked at the rain. He watched birds flying. He watched fish swimming. Uh, one of the questions he posed very early on was, how did that trout stand motionless in a raging torrent of water? And then further, when it did want to move forward against the flow, how did it do it with such little effort? It was creating microvortices along its skin. The tail created a larger vortice. It followed temperature gradients. You know, he was a very intuitive man. Disrupted the drag coefficients. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, like yeah. the Helmholtz waves. You know, basically just uh, use a, the, the trout were affecting the Helmholtz currents right behind it while creating a vortice right in front of them. Just what, by, you know, that years. goes hand in hand. Uh, James, that goes hand in hand with uh, the other. There's another inventor named uh, Robert Patterson, where he has a patent describing just the similar thing about the trout, not referencing Schauberger, but referencing that when you have a design of an implosion instead of an explosion, and instead of streamlining or making the surface smooth, you actually make it spiky, um, that it causes a vacuum effect. Uh, in front of in front of your vehicle, in front of your device, and it wants the, to pull uh, itself into the position. Is it similar to the dimpled golf ball effect in aer aerodynamics? Uh, no, not on golf balls. It's actually, you know, in the instructions to do your own is you take a fiberglass resin with a, a paint roller, like you're going to do your wall, yeah. and as you in a, not, uh, a thick one, a thick wool setting, and as you roll it across, it creates these micro spikes. Right, huh. right. It's uh, almost like half in a core chamber, but at the same time, it's golf ball dimple. So you're affecting right. all the so molecular forces. Right. When the gases reach it against the shape, which is in this case the fat, the fat side is on the front, and the small side is in the back, like the trout. It causes a, a, a vacuum effect and um, an energy charge in front of the device. Uh, uh, to pull itself forward. And to prove his point, he made the, his uh, idea available as a kit to apply it to cars and so forth. And everybody says the faster they go on the highway, the more miles per gallon they gain. Sure. So you're actually going to try that. <laughs> yeah. As crazy as it sounds, when you look at the device, and Martin and I have you know, <laughs> studied it <laughs> pretty thoroughly, you can't for the Will life work you on a imagine Harley? this thing's going to do it. It should work on a Harley. Uh, definitely, it's just sending out, let's call it a compound wave out front, forming a vortice, 
And that vortice is lessening uh, or pulling, I guess, would be a better description, pulling you into it. And so, well, by you, right, right, right. By you being pulled into it, there's a vacuum or a void, and it's trying to balance itself out to equal one. And so that's why you're, you know, you're coming forward. And let's give Tesla one more credit here. Uh, Tesla, in his description of the flying machine, and not to go into the whole thing here on this uh, this show, but Tesla said his machine would move through the air as if pulled by ropes of air. And I've always thought, what in the world? Ropes of air. Well, it makes a lot of sense when you think of a double compound spiral vortice that Schauberger would have understood completely. Uh, think of, let's say, the tornado way up in the, the higher parts of the atmosphere, and it's coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, and it narrows and then, let's say, approaches the ground level. So I would bet that if we looked at that very closely, we would see the compound spiral vortex. And actually, you ever looked at uh, wave currents on top of water? You actually see many vortices functioning. That's on, what I'm getting at. So yeah, it's absolutely. forming ropes of air, and I've got the funny feeling. Well, we know with a Tesla turbine, you know, we're pulling in, let's say, vast amounts of air. I should say that the Tesla pump. But I wouldn't be surprised if that air movement way out in front of the unit might be forming ropes of air. Almost, I mean, let's think of electric current following down, uh, you know, a line. We know it's not following inside the copper. It's following in what? Spiral vortices, uh, both directions, positive and negative, along the outside of the wire. What if air is moving in the same way? It's, you know, uh, ACDC. It's a typical toroidal effect, you know, the skin effect mm-hmm. on high-frequency AC, AC uh, current. It's sure. say more goes along the skin just because of the radio, uh, the electromagnetic frequencies that are pushing it outward. You know, DC mm-hmm. the full conductor. And Schauberger did again. caution that a small unit could affect atmospheric-level conditions. So he was saying your little tabletop repulsine could start, you know, a tornado or a hurricane. Well, that's not really that hard. You know, spooky effects at a distance. Very small amounts of energy needed. So, Every you know, I'd, I'd put it a lot right. of yeah. <laughs> Everything in nature is vortexes. You know, I've always Thank said you that if there wasn't an electromagnetic vortex around wire, we wouldn't be able to hold the current because all the free electrons would be going in and out in any direction they wanted. You know, it's the same exactly. thing with dynamic and pressure gradients, so... Absolutely. One thing I do Absolutely. want to touch on with all four of or all four of us again in the next call, uh, there's a fantastic uh, website out, which is the correlation with Ed Leeds Gallon, Nikola Tesla, Secrets of the Egyptians, Coral Castle, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and it's going at length into what we just touched on. Tesla's 369, uh, his unusual discoveries, but also magnetic current, and where everyone laughed at Lead Scalden with that little pamphlet he wrote. Now all of a sudden, uh, when you take the depictions at the Grand Masonic Lodge in Philadelphia, some of the Sumerian and Babylonian texts, the Egyptians, and all these things we've been looking at as artwork are not artwork at all. They're actually depicting the magnetic field and controlling it. Flipping it from vertical to horizontal. Or in a 3D space field, we're taking that spiral vortex vortex following a current along a wire, well, 
a sine wave is not really a sine wave. It's what? A spiral vortex. We're only looking at it in 2D. So the DNA helix, it's all following the same pattern. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. That, 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 that's a neat way to look at it. Think about I, it. I got, two, cool. I, got, I got two more questions for you guys. Uh, sure. Me being, me being the, the blackboard guy from time to time, the technology, as far as the the Schauberger technology, uh, barring the the Tesla turbine, because I think I've discussed this, how scalable up and down, like can, how far down the nanometer or uh, MEMS uh, pipeline can you go with the uh, Schauberger technology, and how large can it go? Has anybody well, explored simple that? Simple answer to that, Caleb Coates. Uh, I had this discussion with him. And with the repulsine, for example, to get the desired effect, you could probably go down to a unit that's something you could hold in the palm of your hand. Uh, whirl pipes were always Martin and my bane, let's say, up until the advent of 3D printer technology. How do you form the darn things without them, uh, well, extrude them, without them stressing out and deforming under high spin? Well, now with a 3D printer, we could do that it basically build it from, you know, base to top uh, effortlessly. So even with whirl pipes embedded in a block, let's say, of uh, uh, some type of high tensile strength material from a 3D printer, you could build that down to something that's the size of the, that you could hold in the palm of your hand. Upscale? How big do you want it? I guess it would just depend on uh, material. You wouldn't really need to build one too large. Uh, Coates, in deciphering, estimates that an 18-inch diameter repulsine would probably have over 600 horsepower at the shaft available. Wow. Yeah. I, and that's I, I just, really just two primary yeah. discs. I just had an idea that popped in my head. Could you imagine if you, if you could scale it down to like the MEMS size and use it to create a power source for people who have, you know, uh, medical implants such as you know pacemakers or you know uh, cochlear implants, and you could just have blood vessels, you know, spinning a you know a, a, a micro vortex and just powering you know those, those electronic devices, you know, via their own biological you know systems. You know, heartbeat heartbeat moves the blood, blood moves the uh, past the the uh, the, the micro uh, Schauberger turbine, and it just creates power for the electronic device. It'd be kind of interesting to explore those avenues. I have one more question for you. It, uh, me being, you know, the the noob to the gurus, I, I, I'm bowing to you in, as far as the uh, the the, the uh, turbine end of things. What would be some good jumping off points for people who are new to to the and want to learn more about Victor Schauberger and his technologies and people related to because I know there's some depth there's looks like there's some definite cross pollination between the Tesla turbine and uh, Schauberger's technologies. I, I'd like to know you know find get add some more books to my library as well. Uh, definitely, I think the that would be Kalen uh, Coates. Definitely, Kalen Coates. Coates? Is the Living Energies. Uh, yeah, and it's then spelled C A. It's spelled C A L L U M. Okay, that's my wish Amazon.com now. Uh, okay, what's, what's some other resources, guys? Well, uh, Olaf Alexanderson did the first book, uh, Living Water, 
and then Coach followed with Living Energies, and then the four-part Echo Technology series, uh, which was uh, Living Water, uh, the Fertile Earth, uh, Energy Revolution, uh, and one more in there. Martin, do you remember? Oh, my gosh, memory slips. Uh, but anyway, there was four parts in there. Amazon does carry them um, off and on, and you can... You can find them, uh, Amazon, um, I believe Borders, Barnes & Nobles still carries them. Uh, getting a little tougher, out of print, back in print, out of print, back in print. Um, that's probably your best bet right there. Um, I'm not sure if there, there really isn't anything besides the original Implosion magazine uh, other than going to the PKS, Pythagoras-Kepler system. Uh, from Austria, and I believe they do have their online presence, and they do offer, there is a DVD on Schauberger. They also host a YouTube channel, and uh, there's some great videos there which go through and actually show uh, what the PKS has in its uh, Frank, buildings. Frank, for the listeners, why don't you tell, give them the spelling for Schauberger? Oh, S-C-H-A-U. B-E-R-G-E-R, Schauberger, and uh, punch that into Google and it will get you at least to the PKS, and I'm sure you'll see uh, references to Calum Coates and his books. Alec Bartholomew has another book uh, out, and uh, that's a biographical sketch. Olaf Alexanderson has the first book out, and all of them are great references to start on. I want to also extend on the conversation briefly, but just to say that Victor was not just about energy relating to, well, that nature of ener natural energy technologies being applied to mechanical beings. He was also an astute observer of nature, and, and there are many chapters where he describes the process of the trees, um, holding a, a voltage differential and how actually the sap uh, rises above it, and and uh, when I read about that, I actually applied it to my acreage that I own, whether the tree was shade tolerant or sun tolerant. But also how you re-energize the soil, for which Victor Schauberger talks about a charge, and he made a he made a plow, uh, a copper coated plow to recharge the earth, um, mm -hmm. and they had increased yields, which relates to the vortices. And, and magnetic uh, principles. So sure. when you read about Victor Schauberger, it's not you're going to get your mind blown away. But you can even, to the naked eye, to the person who doesn't care about science, you can still learn about your surroundings to apply it to your everyday house for you know, gardening or, uh, or or how to trim the tree right because this is what the tree is really doing. Uh, why does the river zigzag instead of stay in a straight line? Um, why, when a river flows east to west, why is it different in, in its properties than flowing north-south? Things like that. Sure. Right, right. You know, I love the gardening thing that you brought up because I always love how trees look just like Lichtenberg figures. And I also did some electro-horticulture myself, some test trials. And I just did a simple earth battery with the uh, nickel and a uh, um, uh, galvanized plate as well. Uh, and a copper electrode, sorry, stuck into the ground. You know, just two little uh, rods and connected them with a uh, 
piece of wire and basically made an earth battery. And I saw dramatic effects actually with the uh, pH toxicity going down when they were high salt. So um, it was actually quite amazing. It, it's really, it's really, really fascinating down at the heart of it. Well, Victor describes putting a copper uh, coated needle and a zinc coated needle on opposite ends of the tree, and you'll pull a voltage differential. True. Oh yes, you know I thought about harvesting that because I remember checking out one of my plants and uh, touching the base of the roots and doing the top of the plant. I was actually getting a voltage of around 1.7 volts, 1.8 volts, and you know that stuff's flowing through there, so there has to be a voltage. I mean, wow. anything in motion is charging. So. Oh, that, 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 that's that. cool. On a side note, there's a patent that was created in 1912 uh, where a U.S. Army general uh, determined that he could run shortwave radio, uh, telegraph, uh, using trees as antennas. Absolutely, man. Oh, They're all antennas. Yeah. Yes. Remember, with that, remember we talked about on the internet the other day about uh, using trees as Wi-Fi? <laughs> <laughs> this this can come from a template as well. I remember that. <laughs> oh, oh well, well, guys, how about so cool. how about probably work better during the day with the ozone and the oxygen getting off during photosynthesis? But you know, probably not best at night. Well, wait a minute. How is how is how are we affecting the ozone when the trees are are, are absorbing the CO two anyway? Oh, they're giving off oxides and also uh, super oxygenic species within the uh, the cell walls. So we're getting an antenna, a bang for the buck, and, you know, we're getting like three processes at the same time. Saving Definitely. the earth. Trees are glowing. <laughs> if you guys open up the gateway to hell, it's not my fault. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm not going to go hug a tree and go into dimensional travel here, I promise you that. Uh, we're going to get labeled tree huggers now, I can see it. <laughs> well... The well, point of the matter is Victor note. was very insightful about nature. And, and any lay person, if you could just tolerate some of the language and write the vocabulary down, can under, learn to understand how they can apply it to their everyday life. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. gentlemen, how about we schedule another show for next week and wrap this one up. And today we have Martin Durantes, Todd Livingston, and James McGlynn. We've all worked together in the past. We will continue to work, and uh, we will also continue the show with another segment on Schauberger and uh, how we can apply this to today's technology. Guys, I thank hey, uh, you all for your time. You guys are awesome. I love you. Last words. As always, thank you, Frank. Me, gentlemen, every time. All right, thank gentlemen. We will James talk again God. soon. Stay awesome, guys. See you soon. All right, ELV Radio. Thank you all. You have been listening to the Innovation Series. If you missed any part of the show, you can find it on plv-radio.com under Par Shows tab.